the last episode of season one of uniquely designed thank you for those who have watched every last one of them some of them commented shared whatever you've done um, this was new for me and i thank you for your support i appreciate it so greatly today's conversation the last conversation of this season um, if you live in the hood or maybe you live in the holler or you're somewhere in between, I have someone who really this conversation will resonate with you. I'm talking with Charles Booker. Yes, uh, it's a great conversation. Surprisingly, it's not about politics, but about how faith, um, purpose, destiny, how it all intertwines together and leads us to the path that um, most not just serves uh, what we're here for, uh, but it winds up helping people. Um, and um, it's a great conversation. I don't want you to miss it. So go ahead. You can text someone from the hood or you can call somebody in the holler. Whatever you want to do, tell them not to miss this conversation. Uh, this is one you don't want to miss. Thank you again for tuning in to this season one of Uniquely Designed. Season two is going to be fire. Let's go into this conversation. All right, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in again. And I'm so happy to uh, have our guest. And thank you for being with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And um, how your schedule is all over the place. And uh, I thank you for being on here today. Thanks. So um, I want to start here. And I want to ask, because one of your um, tagline, something that you say a lot of, is that you are of the people. And you didn't plan to be a politician. Right. And how you stumbled into it. And it made me think about how many of us have some type of background um, or a teacher or a principal or something that when we grew up, we said, hey, that person is where my life shifted. So I wanted to see, is there was there some influence earlier um, other than just seeing the news and seeing yeah. what's going on in your city and seeing what's going on in the neighborhood that shifted you to say, hey, I, I need to go in this direction? It, it was... It was in part a person, but it was also an experience. Um, and so the thing about me, none of my family comes from politics. Uh, both my parents dropped out of high school. And um, I went to law school because I wanted to be someone that spoke up for my community. And um, not having a support network around me to tell me this is what you do, this is where you go. Um, I sought out mentors. And so I got out the phone book. Um, so I'm dating myself <laughs> and I called through everyone in the attorney section. So I just went down the line trying to find folks that would give me advice because I was new to this arena. And uh, one of the uh, folks that I came across uh, is a state legislator, uh, Gerald Neal, state senator. And um, I reached out to him saying, well, can I meet with you to talk about law school and the legal field? Uh, eventually. He gave me the chance to meet with him and he told me the only way I could do it is to go with him to the state capitol because he was so busy. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do anything. So I'm going to get in the truck with you and go to Frankfurt just so we can talk about law school. And I found myself in the state capitol building and I sat in the committee meeting waiting to talk to him and realized that they were talking about me. And my eyes were open. Like, wait a minute, what's going on in here? You all are talking about my life. But you don't see me. 
And it really lit a fire in me to say, we need to be in here. I did, I looked around. No one else looked like me, a young black man, you know, and, and could speak about living in, in the hood and living through struggles that I saw. And um, from that moment on, I wanted to work my way into government. Um, so it wasn't just about being an attorney. It was about helping to shape the laws. To how was that uh, conversation? Because you did say you dated yourself. Now, I was born in the 80s, too. Yeah. So you can't date yourself more than me. You know, so uh, you talk about flipping the pages. You know, yeah. most of y'all who are listening, if you're younger, you don't know. It's like, a book. Like, what's a phone book? What's it's that? a book we used to have that had the yellow pages in the back and the white pages in the front. If you were not a part of that, don't worry about it. Don't log off. Uh, but um, how did that conversation go about getting into that um, at home? family friends yeah um you know the first person i told was my mom she she's been my counselor so um she both my parents are ministers grew up in pentecostal church and uh, my mom's an assistant pastor now so whenever i have a big decision i call her and she gives me advice you know and i told her you know i think i want to go and work in government i want to get involved in politics because i don't see a lot of us in there and um she told me what she always tells me is let the lord order your steps and uh, I've been obedient to what's been pulling on my heart the whole time. And it's led me to this point where I'm running for U.S. Senate. Yes. You know, and I never thought I'd be doing things like this. But um, I knew I had a purpose. Um, I was the person that spoke up for everyone else, even when I was little. And so this has given me the chance to speak up for Kentucky. And I'm grateful for the journey I've been on. You said something that um, those of you who are, are watching or listening to this, um, that seems to come up in every single conversation where purpose started to draw you or started to pull you. And you said that you were raised um, in a Pentecostal persuasion, um, which, of course, I have that same influence as well. I want to know. Because most of us who are raised in any type of faith movement, whatever that is, and those of you who are not, it's okay. But for those right. who have been, we are not often, there is no politician Sunday school class, politicians right. prayer call. There right. is no altar call for those who want to influence law or right. legislative. You know, it's, it's, it's um, not there is about. deacons and there are preachers and there are ministers and choirs and uh, parking lot attendants and the children's ministry. But we are often taught, and I could be wrong, but I'm just kind of playing devil's, devil's advocate, that most of us always say, you know, politicians are liars, you know, so we, we come, we bring them in to right. pray for them. <laughs> right. We don't teach our um, young people to become them, to influence right. them. So how did that, you know, especially as you said, your mom was a counselor. Shout out to her, you know, mom, yeah. minister, and, you know, that my grandmother was a church of God in Christ, you know, so she was a praying woman as well, you know, but that she didn't discourage that. That's right. really a great thing. So I wanted to kind of hinge on that. Yeah, well, even when in... We can dig into some of my politics, too. Um, they they come from a place of humanity that wasn't really talked about in the church. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, like I said, in the Pentecostal church, so there were certain things we did and didn't do. You know, if, if I had shorts, they had to be at my knee. You know, uh, we couldn't go to the movies for a while. And um, my mom always let me ask questions. Um, she didn't hold me back from pushing for the truth. Uh, she gave me the chance to find it for myself. And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, I support the humanity of all people and making sure that no one's discriminated against no matter 
where they come from, what pronoun they use, how much money they have in their pocket, whether they're walking or using a wheelchair. My faith undergirds that. Um, but yeah, man, we we're taught to over to push through the struggle. Yeah. The struggle is going to be there if we just hold on. We're going to get through it. Yeah. We never really taught about some the fact that some struggles don't have to be there to begin with, and that we can actually shape the environment where these struggles happen so that they don't keep happening. Yeah. And um, I stumbled into that, you know, and and I'm grateful for the realization that not only can we get through things, we can move things out of the way. And that's what I inject into my politics. That we don't have to accept poverty. We don't have to just survive poverty. We can end poverty. Yeah. You know, we don't have to just work through racism and, and, and tussle and battle our way through to get up on our feet. We can pull it up by the roots. Yeah. And, and my faith tells me that we can do that. And, and it's not... This is not me preaching to folks or trying to put my faith on folks. It's me shining my light. Um, and it comes from a, a place of love for everyone that I meet, you know, and um, it's something that is really leading a powerful spark in our campaign where people across Kentucky are saying, you know what? I see it. Yeah. We can do this together. Yeah. So from the hood to the holler. Yeah. Started from. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that that fell on me. Um, and, you know, like everything goes back to the church for me. We do call and response, you know, and and the spirit of um, demonstrations and, and protest. There is a lot of that energy where you are putting out themes and you're mobilizing folks and you're finding these cores that can get people ready for the work ahead. You know, and I was trying to think of a way to show how we can bring people together and lift up our common bonds and. Um, People get shocked when I say this, but I was a director at Fish and Wildlife. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm from the hood, you know, okay. and um, I told them when I first started working there, when I heard gunshots, it's not for elk, you know. Um, but but I was there and I had the chance to deal with trainings and, and I was over HR. So I traveled all over Kentucky and um, I would sit down with folks that didn't look like me. I'd go to parts of Kentucky where I didn't see anyone else that looked like me. And what I learned from my ages growing up in the hood is when you come into somebody's neighborhood, you got to earn their respect. And so I would tell them who I am. I would tell them my story so that they can know who they're dealing with. And every time I did that, they would say, you know what? I've done that. I've been through that. I got an uncle like that. I've seen that. And I just realized that we fight in so many of the same battles. So what if we fought together? And when I went to Eastern Kentucky, and I first had the chance to see what's called a holler. Um, it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's typically in between uh, the mountains. It's in, in a valley area. It's sort of like an isolated place where there's some homes, a water source, one way in, one way out. And when I started talking to folks, I was like, man, this is like the hood. <laughs> it's not really a lot of black people here, but it's like the hood. And so from the hood to the holler was a way of drawing that, that common bond of the things that we're experiencing, the challenges we're facing so that we can build together. I met some um, people that I know that are very close friends that are from the holler. I didn't know what that was. I actually thought they were saying holler. I mean, I didn't know right. what they were saying. I said, are you saying holler? They said, we lived in the holler. I said, are you saying you holler or you live in the holler? I was confused. And when they explained it, you know, um, I did. I do relate to that, even though I didn't, I wasn't raised in the hood. Um, but I do understand what I feel or sense that you are reaching for as it relates to community. 
Yeah. And that everyone, um, regardless of the holler or the hood, right, um, has a commonality, a purpose or needs or, or whatever. Right. Have you found that to be the thing that causes you to reach across the aisle? When it comes to people that don't look like you, yeah. um, like you said, going into the hood, you had to earn respect. You right. know, do you feel that sense when you walk into every room that you're trying to, in some sense, look to see what the connection points are? Always. Um, I was taught that growing up. So I I come from a really big family. So I'm one of over 70 grandkids. Uh, so, yes, I'm not lying. It's a big family. Yeah. And my my mom is one of 11 biologically. And then my grandparents opened their house to foster care. So for like 50 years, they were bringing little ones into the house. Their home was the community home. So whenever I go to grandma's house and I was going to get something to eat, there was someone there I didn't know that was getting something to eat, too. And um, so our family just kept growing and growing. And um, in order to get anything done, you know, in the spirit of building community, you got to meet people where they are. You got to understand what they're thinking and what they're doing. And so um, going into the state house, I was the youngest black state legislator in Kentucky since the first one. So it had been nearly 90 years. And I'm a Democrat and I'm a young black man from the hood. Um, black legislators have a tough time getting legislation heard. Uh, so I had a lot of things working against me. Um, but the gentleman in the in the chambers that I sat beside, he's Republican. He's a type one diabetic. I noticed that he was eating snacks like I was because I'm a type one diabetic. And I shared my story with him about nearly dying. And he told me his story. And we agreed to work on some legislation together. And we got a bill passed to prevent folks that when they run out of insulin, uh, prevent them from having to go without getting it. They can get an emergency refill from their pharmacist. We passed that in my first session, and it was because I found a common bond with him. And so I'm always looking for ways we can build, even if we don't agree on everything. Yeah. You said uh, something that I think is rich as far as um, you sitting beside someone who didn't, uh, in some sense, believe like you, vote like you, see through the same lens. But the story, the art of storytelling and the art of communication, which is, of course, an oral tradition that has been passed down through much of our um, here, who we are and uh, the fabric of who we are. What do you feel through your policies that you are uh, planning to uh, implement or present through your platform through the whole state of Kentucky that is vast yeah. and has many different things? What are the common stories that seem to be um, no matter what zip code or area they in, hollerhood um, or, or suburb yeah, or, or whatever, in between, whatever yeah. um, that there's a commonality of stories? Yeah. Yeah. And. And look, the most power, and, and like you called it, um, I grew up on storytelling. You know, so much of what I learned about my history was from my granddad, keeping me up throughout the night, telling me stories. And and now I find myself telling his stories, uh, you know, on the floor of the House of Representatives uh, for the entire country. And, um, you know, being able to tell the story is so powerful. Um, you know, I, I see these common themes when I travel across Kentucky that come back to family, taking care of home, being safe, um, not wanting the government to hurt you, and and love, you know, family. And, and I think we've allowed those themes to become partisan when they aren't. That's bigger than party. Faith is a theme that is like just, of course, as you can see in me, it undergirds everything I talk about, but 
it's very very present in Kentucky in in not politics in a good sense as much we're changing that but it's very present in in, in society and if we can speak to those themes and give folks more perspective on different types of policies that honor those themes. Um, I talk about everyone having health care, um, and I speak about it from a place of love for my children. And, you know, if, if you are a parent or a guardian, or you've had a chance to have a connection with your parent, you know the power of that love. Yeah. And when I talk about needing health care, because when I ran out of my insulin, I nearly died from diabetic ketoacidosis, so I couldn't lift my arms to hug my girls. And the reason that that happened to me is because I had a week until payday. I could either get my refill or I could take care of my daughters, make sure they had food for the week. And I chose my daughters. So when you tell that type of story, it doesn't matter what party you're in or if you vote or don't vote, you know what that's about, you know? And, and if we can lift up those types of common bonds and these through lines uh, we can bring more people together when there was the um, Breonna uh, Taylor when that happened um, in Louisville you were oftentimes seen on the front lines do you feel that that sense of and for me it speaks um, that that sense of village family rises up yeah. when one of us gets hurt um, and, and I say that as it relates to everybody who's watching. Your village doesn't always have to look like you. Right. Um, your village doesn't always have to be the same gender or the same belief um, or right. uh, whatever. But the same blood runs through. And if it affects you, even if it's next door, it still affects me. Yeah. Was that what drove you to be present to say, I'm not just going to sit by? I know it was in your it was, city, but, you know, that was the thing that same thing as you said with your daughters. Yeah. You know, you, it was a choice. It all, all of what you just said. It, it's that thing of if you fight one of us, you fight all of us. If one of us is hurt and we all hurt. Um, like I told you all my cousins. So if one of them was in a fight, we was all in that fight. Yeah, you don't want the fight with the and, cousins. Nah, because we roll real deep. You don't and, want it. Uh, but when Brianna's door was busted down, I felt like mine was. And and I've often said this before national media and folks across Kentucky that when her door was busted down, yours was too. And when I saw folks go in the streets viscerally in pain, grieving in the streets, I had to be there. Because, you know, those moments when you lose a loved one and the pain is so present, my family comes together. You know, we'll, get, we'll go to grandma's house where we used to. And I felt like I was going to grandma's house. And it didn't matter what it meant to my my run for office. That was the most important thing I could do. And the powerful thing out of it is people all over Kentucky and across the country realized how important that was. And folks weren't even giving me a chance. Like, you know, they, they weren't even acknowledging that I was in the race. And then that moment happened where they saw me just doing what I I do. And they were like, well, who's this black guy running for Senate in Kentucky? Wait a minute, he's bringing these folks together. What's happening here? We didn't think this was possible in Kentucky. And um, that energy, that light, you know, and, and that conviction for community and family is the centerpiece of how I know we will win this race and we will win whatever other race we have to win. You seem to capitalize on moments. Um, yeah. 
um, even when you had that very close run, um, many people sometimes tuck their tail in and go away. And um, I tried. It didn't work. Uh, but there's something, of course, there's uh, the commitment to justice, there's a commitment to uh, equality, there's a commitment yeah. to faith, you know, they continue to undergird you, that of course has been the common theme of this, uh, but how do you um, recognize the moment? Do you feel like you're called into the moment or you see the moment? Do you feel pulled to the moment? You wake up like this is the moment, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of people who are watching, there's a lot of people who are listening who... There are many people who the moments always keep to pa pass us by and they right. would say, I wish I would have. I should have been a part of that. But you seem to be in line with the moments that come into your life. I think that's yeah. a really key thing to not miss. out. I, I almost feel like um, Hamilton, you know, don't miss your shot. <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah. how do you keep getting a part of your um, leaning into those moments? Uh, was well, a combination of things. One, I always look for them. Um, I used to say this prayer, um, Lord, let me see you in the little things. Just let me see you today. And so I'm always looking for the chance to do what I feel like I'm being called to do. I don't know how I'm going to show up all the time. And so I'm always prepared. I'm always ready to show, to shine my light or, or to lift this ministry I, I've, I have in me and um, and to tell the story. I'm always looking. And so, you know, some of it is, you know, studying, preparing yourself and and doing the work. You know, if if your heart is about the work and, and what I want is more folks to get involved in in politics because they're doing the work, not because they're looking to be involved in politics. Do the work and you will find yourself bumping up against politics because the laws are shaping everything we do and um, over the years of me just doing this work of building community focus on breaking down barriers of inequity and you know uprooting poverty and racism I just keep finding myself in these spaces with the chance to take the shot if you would yeah those of us who because there are many people who are not involved because they don't understand right um, we don't understand because a lot of times it wasn't presented us right. right. Um, we don't understand sometimes because sometimes the media or the shaping of the news is more for entertainment than it is for, you know, there's many various reasons yeah. why a lot of people don't get involved. But how can people become more um, versed? not just in what it is that your platform or whatever, but how to help the community and how, because you can't affect a room you're not in. Right. You right. can't, you know, you can either be a part of the solution or you're a part of the problem, you know? Right. So how can we do a better job, you know, of rallying around what it is you're called to do as well as what we're all called to do? Cause that's what you did. Yeah. You said, this is the moment. This is what I have. That's what I feel led and called to do. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm trying to lead by example, to answer that question because um, a lot of folks that were surprised that I was deciding to run for United States Senate, you know, we don't even think about doing stuff like that, you know, and and I'm trying to help not only my own community, this entire Commonwealth in this country and beyond to know that we're leaving a lot of power on the table um, because of the rooms where all these critical decisions are being made that we didn't even know we should be in or we didn't think we deserved to be in and we don't know how to get in. And so one of the things that I'm doing with this campaign, I've been doing this work over the past year, 
um, the organization I launched is doing trainings for folks on um, teaching them how to run for office and how to be a citizen lobbyist. Um, so how to organize your, your church, your youth group, uh, your classmates, your neighbors, your cousins to push on issues that are important to you. Um, we don't have to think about it as being politicians. We can just think about it as, well, we want things to be better. I'm pissed off about this. I really care about this. How can I help change things affecting it? That work is ultimately what democracy is supposed to reflect. And if we help folks, so for instance, uh, with the no-knock warrants uh, issue that was at the, the root of um, what ultimately led Breonna Taylor to be taken away from us, um, we started having a conversation around Kentucky, uh, not just about what it meant for her door to be busted down, but what does it mean for you to be safe in your home? And here's what you can do. You can call your legislator and tell them that you deserve to be safe in your home. Tell 10 people you know. Call them, the legislator. Wear them out. And then you can write something. And you can send it to your local news outlet. Here's how you do that. You can go on social media. And at this time, on this day, everybody talk about what it means to be safe in your home. And start building the momentum. And we were doing that. And the, the president of the Senate saw it because he started getting thousands of emails uh, and the speaker of the house did too and before the session end ended they ended up putting forward and passing legislation around no knock warrants now it didn't go as far as we wanted but that wouldn't have happened if people didn't organize and make some noise and so any anyone no matter how small your circle is if you got one two three people around you you can start pushing on issues Get involved in your local government. Go to your city council meetings. Start meddling. School board meeting. You start meddling in stuff. Yeah. And and the work will naturally it'll it'll naturally come to you. And and like I said, I'm going to lead by example and help bring these resources across Kentucky. Yeah. And that's that hood that just came out. You said start meddling. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, because that is the. People underestimate the power that they have, right. the power of the voice and the power of community and coming together um, and constantly um, making this an uh, um, uh, issue. You know, it's the issue that concerns me and I'm going to not get up, let up until you say something, until you change something or whatever. Uh, we have um, a commonality uh, among ourselves because we are both a part of the Divine Nine. Yeah. Now, um, you came after the the first um <laughs> Uh, but um, you know, there's always people that come after uh, the first. But um, it's okay. I appreciate uh, the love. But, uh, being a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, yeah. um, it's hard for those words to come out of my mouth <clears throat> because it's real <laughs> cold on my side. But you know, I understand. But uh, how has that even helped to shape you um, as it relates to um, your platform and um, continue because yeah. you're not just you're um, connected to something much larger to even to yourself it you know it really helped me transition my desire to push for change into how I lead for change um, it came in a moment in my life where you know I had all of these burning things that I wanted to fight for and work towards. Um, but I wasn't in a leadership role and I wasn't a part of a coalition of folks that were pushing for leadership outside of my church. And so becoming a, a member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated gave me the chance to look through the lens of leadership. 
um, because I can't. I became the pomark uh, for for my chapter, and I had to take on the responsibility of organizing events and and pushing on issues and raising money and um, and building relationships. And so I think anyone who is going through the process of becoming a part of these bonds, um, you learn about building infrastructure, you learn about building relationships, you learn about building community. And even now, you know, when I decided to run for U.S. Senate, you know, I call a lot of my frat brothers to let them know, look, we gonna do this, you know, and I'm gonna call you and yours too, man. <laughs> and because this is this is all of us. This yeah, is all absolutely. of us. So, yeah, it's it's been a really important part of my story and going through tough times and and knowing that you can make it when it gets hard. Um, it's something I learned in my collegiate experience and growing as a leader in, in my fraternity helped as well. Yeah, I just uh, I think that people sometimes under underestimate the power of as we've been talking about a lot community but the power of brotherhood right and um that um it's, an, it's more than colors right. um it's an extension of the beliefs and the values and of systems of which i hold near and dear to me so um i just wanted to to throw that out there so yeah. i acknowledge y'all i do uh so um those of you who are watching i, I want to say this um as we wrap up a little bit that um, even though we have been going in now talking about policies and different things, uh, the whole undergirding of this is going to your purpose and to how you've been uniquely designed, you know, to um, go into this area of influence. Um, and I think that that's a really key thing that anybody who's watching whatever area um, of influence that they have, that they may capitalize on that, you know. Yeah. And um, so I think that that's really good. So um, this is a section I call on the spot. Okay. It's not as deep as the other parts. So I want to ask you, um, what is your favorite food? Uh, well, I mean, I love a good steak. Um, medium rare. Well, yeah, well done. I, medium, between medium, medium, not too much medium well. It got to be just right. Just, okay. you know, just that right temp. Um, but you know what? Like, I, my wife is, a, let me take, my wife is great with green beans. And green beans is a side dish you take for granted until you realize how good it can be. And my mom makes the best potato salad. I'll put it up against anybody. Best potato salad. Uh, what is currently on your nightstand? Uh, my I have a dog tag of my cousin TJ mm. um, that I keep on my nightstand. TJ was murdered on Easter Sunday in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I have a pen on my nightstand that Governor Bashir gave me when he signed the executive order to restore voting rights mm -hmm. for over 170,000 Kentuckians because that was the bill that I was pushing on in the legislature. So that pin's on my nightstand. And um, uh, diabetes for dummies is on my nightstand okay. too. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm still trying to get better at regulating my health. Okay. So. Okay. What is your favorite thing to do in downtime? If there is downtime, if it exists in your life, I, I know it doesn't exist, but if it were to exist in this world, uh, what would that look like? Uh, listening to some, some music, you know, and sort of calming my spirit. You know, I love good music and um, I love basketball. I don't get to play as much. If I try to get up a few shots every day, you know, I go outside the house, um, you know, but other than that, I don't really know where the break is. Now, playing with my daughters. Yeah. Um, I have two girls. Those are my bosses, mm -hmm. Caitlin and Preston. And I actually got one on the way like okay. at any moment now. Wow. And so being able to play with them and 
Um, my daughter Kaylin is a part of this group called the Real Young Prodigies. Um, so this, they, they're, they're rapping, but they're using their words to push for changing the community, like the Crown Act. So they went to Frankfurt and um, helped to pass an ordinance in Louisville. So just being able to love on them. That's so that gives watching them. you has helped shape them. Yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm I'm so blown away and proud and inspired by them, and um, yeah, I don't get a lot of rest, but but seeing them is definitely my refueling. Yeah. So. so if we were in your car, and of course I know you got drivers right now, but if we were in your car, yeah, radio comes on or um, something starts to play. What is it? So uh, so right now I got um, I got her mm -hmm. on repeat. Uh, the new album with uh, Back of My Mind, mm -hmm. that's on repeat. And uh, Sir okay. uh, is an artist out of California, real smooth. Um, he sort of reminds me of like how I show up in politics. Okay. Uh, so I listen to like, some smooth R&B. Um, other than that, every once in a while you might hear hear some rap. Like I, When nobody's around, I'll do a little, I'll rap myself. Okay, <laughs> you rap? Every once in a while, okay. I, I might I might do a video here. I did one uh, last cycle. Okay, you might see something. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. Look for it. There's a little bit in there. <laughs> I know you mentioned your daughter. You mentioned your wife. You mentioned your family. Uh, Seventy grandchildren, I believe you said. Yeah. Um, coming together as community. Um, when you look back, years from now, you're young now. But if we were to imagine, what does legacy look like to you? I I pray that my legacy can be that I encouraged people to try something different, um, to come together and to fight against hate. I mean, it's it's never something that you you beat and it goes away. You got to always be working at it. Um, but if I can be a part of bringing people together in a way that shifts um, not only our politics. But how we function as a society, um, I've done what God has called me to do. Yeah. 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 Everybody who is watching, they need to know how to follow you. And they need yeah. to know how to connect. Um, they need to know how to support. They need to know what they need to do now. So tell everybody who is watching how they can follow you, how they can get connected, how they can find out how to order your wife's green beans, all that type <laughs> of stuff. They need to know. Let them know. Look, she's going to be like, why are you going to lift up the green beans out of all the... Her green beans are real good. Um, if you can, if you can, join us right now. We are building a movement to transform our future. You can go to charlesbooker.org. That's my website. Sign up to volunteer, get updates. On social media, follow me everywhere. I'm telling the story as, as much as I can. Uh, it's Booker, the number four. KY. So Booker 4 KY. And uh, you might see a rap video on there too. <laughs> For everybody who's watching, I would like to see if you could maybe 30 seconds or less someone who was um, looking through the white pages who might be scrolling through Instagram right now, doesn't have white pages, but they're feeling there's a call greater than themselves and they just can't seem to define it. What mm -hmm. would you say to whoever that is? Oh, what I always say, um, you matter. Whatever you're going through wasn't meant to break you. It's a part of your journey that is going to allow you to do something big, and you deserve it. 
Every room you walk in, you deserve to be there. What's pulling on your heart, you deserve to pursue it. You deserve it. And as long as we know we deserve to lead, we deserve to be heard, we can always find the strength to lift our voices up. We can find it in there because we know we deserve it. So, I, I look, I've stumbled into this and I can walk in it. I can talk to you. I can talk to the country because I know I deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all heard it first. You heard it here. I'm so excited for all of you. Thank you for tuning in today. And uh, thank you again. Um, Absolutely. For even if you stumbled onto this podcast, <laughs> thank you uh, for doing that today. And um, so, so I hope that you all follow him. Y'all make sure you follow him because we all need to see that rap video. I'm interested in it right now. So, oh, yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. All right, y'all. Bye. Again, for tuning in, remember to like, subscribe, or even rate this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Or comment if you're watching this on YouTube. And remember to share it with whoever you know needs to hear it. Until next time, breathe in. Be the best version that you can be. Everybody else is taken. And remember to embrace your own unique design. I promise you. See you soon.